0: it seems like creatives always get a bad rap
1: from childlike tantrums and ridiculous green room requests strange superstitions and even self-mutilation it's clear that artists have plenty of strange habits but they've also made a pretty big impact on the world hi i'm kate rooney and i'm just scuffy and you're listening to creatives are the worst presented by design pickle the leading flat rate graphic design and creative services platform in this podcast, we'll be uncovering the fascinating myths and
0: shocking stories behind the artists we love, or in some cases, love to hate, as we try to determine are creatives the worst? Hello, and welcome to Creatives Are the Worst, presented by Design Pickle. I'm Jess Guffey, and I'm joined by Kate Rooney. Hello, Kate. Hi, Jess. Hi, Kate. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> Hi, Kate. hiya, what's up? How are you? We're uh, recording a podcast episode breaking news for everyone. Wow. Yeah, it's really revolutionary. Don't tell our secrets. It's <laughs> about all I can give today, Kate. I'm really excited for your story. Yeah. And, uh, not feeling small talk, so let's get to it.
1: (laughs) Let's get into it. And before I even reveal to you who I'm covering today, I want to just address the elephant in the room, being that we've definitely covered a lot of men in this podcast. I think you know already that I'm covering another female creative today. Yes. And... It seems just in the history of our previous podcast episodes, we tend to think that the female creatives we cover are not the worst,
0: mm.
1: but I mean, I think it's fair to say that you and I are making a conscious effort to be aware of our biases and we are. just want to open that up uh, f- as a point of discussion for us before we even dive into this, because it's not like we actively seek out these male creatives who are the worst and just try to find female creatives who aren't the worst. It's just kind of who the people specifically who we've covered.
0: Very fair to say. And I was thinking about this the other day. There are so many people out there like we haven't even scratched the surface and we're just doing people that resonate with us at this time. So please, uh, if you feel like we're too easy on people, let us know.
1: Yeah, I just want to open it up as a point of discussion and, and hear what other people think. Like, are we being fair? Are we judging too harshly or letting people off too easy? Let us know at podcastdesignpickle.com. Again, we're not doing it intentionally. When I, I don't know about you, Jess, but when I pick someone that I'm covering for an episode, I'm not thinking about like, well, who, oh how are they the worst? I'm going in with an open mind. Totally. Uh, the exception being Phil Spector, because that guy forever. Some people we might go in with a kind of preconceived notion of of whether or not they're the worst. And sometimes our opinions are, are changed. Sometimes they're not. So with all that being said, there obviously has been a recent documentary that came out that's been talked about a lot about Britney Spears called Framing Britney Spears. And one thing that's really come out from that is exploring how the media has treated Britney Spears unfairly but also how the media has treated a lot of women in the limelight unfairly. So it's not something new, as we've seen. So true. And the person that I'm covering today is certainly no different from this kind of media scrutiny. Ooh boy. So today I'm covering one of the most famous women of the 20th century who has inspired countless books, films, songs, everything. Someone who is known for her famous bleached blonde hair, and just overall sexiness. <laughs> American actress, <laughs> model, and singer, Marilyn Monroe. Oh,
0: shit. I've been waiting for this one. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Everything
0: that you've said to me, it's so hard for you and I, first of all, to like keep secrets. We've always said that because <laughs> we talk all the time. But I didn't have a feeling that it was this person, but you said something like, it's just kind of sad, and like I'm getting kind of sad, and there's a <sighs> kind of information. And I had a feeling it was someone like her, not necessarily her, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm stoked. I know she's very complicated. Very
1: complicated. I went into this with very minimal knowledge, kind of the base knowledge that everyone has. Knowing those iconic images of her, I have seen a a few of her films way back in the day. Shocking, I know. I've seen more movies, Jess.
0: (laughs) We're up in the count to eight for those keeping score at home.
1: But especially after covering Phil Spector, I wanted to maybe do something a little bit more fun and lighthearted. And as you just said, I came out of it feeling a little sad. But regardless of the sadness, it's still such an interesting story. And I learned so much more about her creative endeavors and aspirations in the industry
0: I'm excited because I think people just see her as a sex symbol and she's in all those iconic photos. And like for a while, I'm sure you'll touch on this, but that piercing was even popular because Uh of her mole. Oh,
1: yeah. We'll talk about that. All of
0: that stuff. So I'm excited to hear about her more creative side and Mm -hmm. how she impacted that stuff.
1: It's been said that she personified Hollywood glamour with an unparalleled glow and energy that enamored the world. But like you said, she's more than just a 50s sex symbol. She overcame a very difficult childhood and is actually very or was very smart. That whole ditzy blonde image was really just a persona. It's been reported that she has an IQ of over 160 Wow, And really strove to elevate her craft of acting. She was very much into how she could become a better, more serious actor during her lifetime. And she did have a short lifespan. uh, And few stars have really created such a legacy in such a short amount of time. Yeah. She starred in 11 films that were released just during a nine-year period. So today we're going to just talk about how and why did she make such an impact in such a short amount of time. I
0: love it. Let's do it.
1: Let's do it. So before becoming Marilyn Monroe, there was Norma Jean. She was born Norma Jean Mortensen on June 1st, 1962 in Los Angeles. Man, she
0: really upgraded her name. (laughs) (laughs) I think Norma Jean's cute, no? I like it. I realized this about myself. I just critique names. Yeah, like, I just really come from people's company names, their actual names. Like, man, I don't know why I'm like this.
1: <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> I will continue to refer to her as Norma Jean until she changes her name, just FYI. Perfect. But back then, she was a, a super cute, curly haired brunette who really never t- expected anything. Other than just becoming a housewife, that was what she expected to be. That's what she planned to be. Uh, I am going to send you a photo right now of Norma Jean back in the day.
0: Let's see what you got, Norma. Oh my gosh! You can see obviously that it's her, but mm-hmm. it would take you a while if you just put this in front of me and was like, "Who is this?" I would. It would take me a while to get it.
1: I get major Shirley Temple vibes. Yes. In that photo.
0: That's so true.
1: Very wholesome looking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, as I touched on before, she did have a very rough childhood when she was seven years old. Her mother Gladys was hospitalized after being diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic and really was institutionalized for much of Norma Jean's childhood. So she wasn't around and her father abandoned the family early on. So she never really knew who her father was and, because both of her parents were out of the picture, she was left in a series of roughly 12 foster homes and orphanages growing up. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, where
1: she, I didn't look into details, but it seemed like she was abused and allegedly developed a stutter while she was in the foster system. That's so sad. But at age 16, she escapes the whole system by marrying 20 year old James Doherty. They barely knew each other, but it was kind of her only way out. She had just turned 16, too. It was like days after Ugh. her 16th birthday. But she met this man, and it was like, okay, I can't keep living in these foster homes. So yeah. she dropped out of school and dedicated herself to be a housewife, which, again, was kind of her original plan.
0: Can you imagine
1: being 16 and a housewife? And nope.
0: <laughs> cannot. Just, I know it's a different time, but Wow wow extremely
1: different time that was kind of the only route at the time and that's what she seemed to have wanted then i mean i'm sure that's just again sign of the times but like i said before she's very very bright and turns out to be a hustler like she works hard so this was the first of her three marriages her very highly publicized marriages and the first of many sultry love affairs that we will touch on. Not all of them, but some sultry of them. Sultry love affairs. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what she's known for. Not just that, but she's definitely known for some of these high profile uh, relationships that she's had in her time.
0: Totally.
1: Now, of course, the happy times for these newlyweds did not last very long. Her husband James became a merchant marine, and soon he was shipped out to the Pacific, and just leaving Norma Jean alone at home, where she became very bored and lonely, yeah. struggling to make ends meet because she was so young, didn't have like an she had dropped out of school, so she starts working at an airline factory. Oh boy. And this is kind of a a part of the big like World War II push, like getting rallying the country together to help the war efforts. But she's working at this airline factory doing inspections and stuff like that. And this is when her first big break kind of happens because the government actually came through the factory to take promotional photos of the women working in the factory. show like, hey, look, look at all these women helping. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, But it was kind of realized that she's super photogenic huh look at that so once she realized that she started taking modeling courses and started working as a part-time model
0: Hmm. i never knew how that happened very interesting Mm -hmm.
1: she was hard at work at the factory and someone came through snapping photos for publicity and they were like wow you're pretty let's do this (laughs) you're pretty hey So, when she becomes a part-time model, the owner of the agency that she worked for, the modeling agency, said that she was one of the most ambitious and hardworking models at the time. So, again, we're seeing her ambition here already at such a young age. She appeared on over 33 magazine covers within that that time frame. And this is where she starts to really become Marilyn Monroe.
0: Hmm.
1: Ah, so she obviously had great success with modeling, and that led her to start dreaming about becoming an actress, getting into Hollywood, and it all starts as with many bright, shining female stars by divorcing her husband) <laughs> <laughs>
0: It no. all starts with divorce, people. <laughs> <I>
1: <laughs> Tips mean, <laughs> from creatives <are> the worst. <laughs> They were so young, and it was kind of a means for her to escape the whole system.
0: Yeah, They
1: did really love each other, it seemed like, but uh, he was gone. I mean, he wasn't even home. She was alone. So they get divorced. She bleaches her hair mm. to bl- from brunette to blonde, and then signed a one-year, $125-a-month contract with 20th Century Fox. Per month. That's so crazy to think about. (laughs) Making the big (laughs) bucks. Except not really. Yeah, not at all. Once she joined 20th Century Fox, though, the casting director suggested that she take the name Marilyn and add her grandmother's last name, Monroe. So this Mm -hmm. is when she became Marilyn Monroe. No longer Norma Jean.
0: Isn't it crazy how many celebrities actually don't go by their given names? Like they just come up with names for themselves. I think that's an under, it's like not talked about as much as I would like it to be talked about.
1: You're (laughs) very passionate about names, apparently. I know.
0: I don't know where this comes from, but like, it's so interesting to me when people are just like, "Mm, actually, I'm going to go by Marilyn or like people tell them, oh, you have to go by this name because it's more marketable. Like it's just such a weird
1: phenomenon. What's the thing where it's like your pet's name and the street you lived on? what would be your star name
0: storm timberwick
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good it's terrifying storm timberwick that's powerful right you're meant for stardom with that oh man it's
0: never too late <laughs>
1: wow anyways not not as exciting max canio Whoa whoa whoa. say that again max canio hey
0: wow the last name's cool though i think you can get away with that thanks you're welcome
1: anyways (laughs) (laughs) i just derailed
0: us i'm so sorry no i loved
1: it (laughs) (laughs) So during her first six months at Fox, she really dedicated herself to learning more about acting, singing, dancing, and just the whole filmmaking process in general. The studio enrolled her in the Actors Laboratory Theater so she could work on becoming a better actress. And she later stated that it was my first taste of what real acting in a real drama could be, and I was hooked. There it is. She got the bug. She got the bug right away. But her teachers thought she, that she was too shy and too insecure to have a career in acting, mm. which kind of carried throughout the rest of her life. She was always a little bit more shyer and hugely insecure, which I think a lot of people wouldn't think because she's this va va boom sex symbol, but highly insecure. Fox did not renew her contract at first, but still she was determined, and she would go out and network hardcore. She would visit other producers' offices, just show up and befriending different people in the industry, possibly using her sexuality a little bit, but nothing too risque. Just, you know, maybe having a little uh, romantic relationship (laughs) here and there without the romance.
0: Isn't it interesting, though, that she? we just said like she was super shy and insecure, but she was still like, well... I want this for myself, I'm going to go out, I'm going to be charismatic, I'm going to be bubbly, I'm going to be friendly, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to get myself a damn contract. Good for her.
1: Oh, yeah. So she eventually built a friendship with, or a relationship, who knows, with Fox executive Joseph Schenk, probably saying that incorrectly, and he helped her get in touch with the head executive of Columbia Pictures Mm. to sign her. And through Fox and Columbia, she was hired for a bunch of small parts in film. I'm not going to list them all because there's a bunch and she wasn't even listed in the credits for it. But the one I do want to say just it's such a great name is Scootahoo, Scootahay.
0: See, now you're on the name train, so it's fine.
1: <laughs> that movie name is so great. And it ha- actually has exclamation marks after who and hey. So you have to yell it, Scootahoo, Scootahay i want to know what that
0: means what does it all mean Ooh,
1: hey, i don't know Who hey hey
0: hey yo.
1: like i said before she was hustling so even after her contract with columbia ended she went back to modeling and in around 1950 she ends up posing for a full-length nude shot for calendar Nothing big to report here, but I just want to put a pin in this for later. It will come back to the story later. Noted. But she was doing some like kind of pin up modeling and stuff like that, which was pretty popular at the time. And she obviously was super photogenic and very popular with the men. So it worked out for her. So she ends up landing a small role in John Huston's film, The Asphalt Jungle, and and again, she wasn't listed in the credits, but her appearance in this film resulted in a huge amount of fan mail. Yeah. And this is where we really started to see her reputation as a blonde bombshell really starting to take shape. So again, she's barely in the film, but just tons of letters coming in, just being like, we want more Marilyn. Wow. Wowie. Who hey? Who who? hey? After all of this, she ends up securing a seven-year contract with 20th Century Fox again, and she ends up getting hired with supporting roles in three somewhat moderately successful comedies. The names are As Young As You Feel, Love Nest, and Let's Make It Legal. Uh, yeah, Interesting. your face right now is very scrunched up. <laughs> I'm not listing all the movies that she's in, but this like Period of three. I'm just like all of them together sounds super icky. (laughs) That's why I was making a face. I Uh just,
0: I I know, I know. It's like part of the times. I know a long way, but like, it just it's icky. Yeah,
1: but it's been said that all of these films really featured her basically just as a sexy ornament. So call a spade a spade. It was what it was. But she was also receiving praise from critics, even though they were small parts. Just people calling her super bright, a huge up and coming actress. And her fan base was growing, of course, with all of this. People were noticing her, even though she was just hired to be this ornament, so to speak. So in 1952, Marilyn's already a rising star and already a sex symbol. And she caught the eye of baseball icon Joe DiMaggio from the yankees waiting for this mm-hmm. he had seen her on screen was just absolutely captivated by her beauty and asked his agent to arrange a meeting for the two of them <sighs> i can't believe that
0: actually that still happens it in still Hollywood.
1: happens exactly <laughs> like, yeah that's, uh... Uh,
0: i think this person i really like how they look can you like get your people to call their people and like set us up like
1: what the 1950s version of sliding into your dms (laughs) i'll have your agent (laughs) call my agent now marilyn was super sus about this though because she expected him to just be like another pompous athlete full of himself whatever she was quoted as saying i expected a flashy new york sports type and instead i met this reserved guy who didn't make a pass at me right away which she probably appreciated a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, after all of this just, like, being (laughs) featured just for her looks, Uh I mean, that wears on you after a while, and I would be super skeptical of anyone coming my way at that
1: point. Well, and you've been in the sports world yourself, working in the sports world and being an athlete, so do you think it's fair to judge and say that a lot of famous athletes are potentially pompous and full of themselves? 100%. Okay. (laughs) Okay. maybe even a thousand percent that's kind of a leading question but <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you're not wrong you're not <laughs> wrong
1: <laughs> Marilyn wasn't wrong either but in this case joe had already retired from sports and Marilyn's career was just taking off so there's a little bit of a dichotomy there he wanted a more quiet family life he's kind of winding down and she wanted stardom that's where she was just getting her footing into So it was kind of already a recipe for disaster, but they were in love. They were so in love. It was kind of cute. Until it's not so cute, because Joe has been reported as being super jealous and kind of controlling, especially just because she was a bombshell and all the men were enamored by her, and he did not like that. He was very uh, protective of that.
0: Wouldn't you know that going
1: in? (laughs) Like. Isn't that something that you're expecting? I mean, literally, he saw her on a movie and was captivated by her beauty. So what are you expecting, dude? So, like, you're getting
0: mad at everyone else for the exact thing that you did and the exact way that you got Mm -hmm. in touch with her in the first place. It's the hypocrisy for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Just saying. But even though she continued gaining popularity as a sex symbol, she did want to show more of her acting range still. So she took more acting classes. And at one point, she was hired to act in a film called Clash by Night, where she was playing an actual fish cannery worker. So she spent time in Monterey at a fish cannery just learning about it. Like, she really, really was invested in her craft and wanted to become a more serious actor and really diving into method acting, kind of, to understand... The roles and the characters to get really into it, instead of just being the pretty face, which I had no idea. I thought that was so interesting.
0: Side note: Have you ever been to that section of Monterey? Probably the old like cannery district. Uh,
1: It's it's been like ten years, but yeah,
0: they like repurposed a bunch of the old stuff, so it's still there, but it's like a cute little downtown now, and they have like. These, like, walking bridges and, like, things above the streets of the old cannery stuff. So it's really hard to describe, but if you look up pictures, it's really cool. Like, they preserved the heritage and, like, why the town started the way it did with canneries and all that stuff and made it very um, tourist-friendly now.
1: Well, that's Lovely. Yeah, just like sure. that was a fun fact to share. I appreciate <laughs> about, Thank you for sharing your fun fact about Monterey.
0: Cannery knowledge over here. I don't even know what one is, really. Hashtag
1: cannery facts.
0: <laughs> we're just giving all the knowledge on this podcast, everyone. <laughs> don't mind us.
1: <laughs> well, her work in this film received a ton of positive reviews for her performance. The Hollywood Reporter stated that she deserves starring status with her excellent interpretation And Variety wrote that she has an ease of delivery, which makes her a cinch for popularity. So again, people like can see her star power beyond just her good looks, know that she's bright, she's snappy, she's got it. She's got what it takes.
0: You know what's interesting to me based on how you started this episode? You started it by saying the media is scrutinizing her and like we're gonna see that and I know we're gonna see that, but isn't it interesting how the narrative can shift for someone in the limelight so quickly? Like, mm-hmm. she's being called only positive things, bright, shining, all these things. And then it's, like, what causes them to turn on people? Because she hasn't done
1: anything that uh, that bothers anyone yet. But, yeah, very quick to turn Great point. I think I haven't watched the Britney Spears documentary yet, but obviously, when Britney Spears first came out, everyone loved her, and it wasn't until the media kind of turned on her. So it, it can happen very quickly.
0: Yep.
1: And the media was not so nice to Marilyn. So, despite her high praises for this performance, she continued to be typecasted in comic roles as the dumb blonde, quote unquote. Ugh. Jess, you know how that goes, right? <laughs>
0: Story of my life.
1: (laughs) That's how I am in all my movies. uh, That's why I dyed my hair dark, so I could get away from that (laughs) being typecasted that way.
0: (laughs) Little known fact: Kate's actually a blonde. Don't tell. Not that anyone can see us right now, but
1: in another film called We're Not Married, another exclamation mark. That's why I'm yelling it into the mic. (laughs) Her role was solely created to present Marilyn in two bathing suits. Yeah, and great. In, in another film called Monkey Business, she stars opposite Cary Grant. I don't have any other notes for that. I just love Cary Grant so much. He's it's my great, uh, he's my great name drop. Yeah. Well, in that film, she plays a secretary who's, a, quote, dumb, childish, blonde, innocently unaware of the havoc her sexiness causes around her.
0: I'm sorry. I, on behalf of women everywhere. I just No. No. <laughs> Absolutely I feel not. like and this, that,
1: that quote alone sums it all up of like what she and other blonde bombshells stuff like that are expected to be just dumb, childish, and innocently aware of like, well, oh, I don't know how hot I am. What?
0: And it's like, you still see that in today's holiday. Obviously, things are changing and they're changing for the better. Like, there are more strong female protagonists, all that stuff. But it's still like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's still like this with very specific roles for women in Hollywood and movies. And it's, God, poor Marilyn.
1: Yeah, granted, she did kind of play into the persona, a bit. she would say cheeky stuff on purpose. But I think, I, again, I, that's just her savviness and knowing like, well, this 100%. works. This is going to get me hired. Uh, there's quotes of her just saying saucy things. But yeah, I think it's just her playing into it. She knows that's what's going to get her roles She was also kind of gaining a reputation for being somewhat difficult to work with. This is something we've also seen time and time again with the folks that we covered. It definitely worsened as her career progressed. She was often late or just didn't show up and couldn't remember her lines or would just demand several retakes before being really satisfied with her performance. We are definitely going to talk about this a lot more, but... A lot of this has been attributed to her perfectionism, her low self-esteem, and just overall stage fright. And it gets worse later on, specifically because she started to abuse drugs and alcohol, really to alleviate her anxiety with everything. It's also been said that her behavior was a response to the condescension and sexism of her male co-stars and directors, yeah. and allegedly was bullied by many of her directors who were just treating her as the character she's playing is like the dumb blonde and bullying her around.
0: And for someone like her, I mean, she's clearly a creative person and she wants to put her own take on it. So if your voice is being just disregarded and you're being tossed aside, like shut up, you dumb blonde. (laughs) Like that's, that can bring out the worst in anyone.
1: We are definitely going to touch on her substance abuse later. As I said before, it got worse later in her life, but I think a lot of it was attributed to her kind of self-medicating and alleviating her anxiety yeah, due to her low self-esteem and stage fright. So in 1953, she stars in three more movies, again, just really boosting her notoriety in Hollywood. The first one was Niagara, where she plays a femme fatale scheming to murder her husband.
0: Cool. Love it. Love how the tables turned. <laughs>
1: And for this film, this is where she and her makeup artist, Alan Whitey Snyder, had developed her trademark look. And this is like the iconic look that we see in all the photos of her with very dark arched eyebrows, pale skin, red lips, and a beauty mark, like you said before. Yep. So total sidebar here. But when I got to this point in my research, I went down a rabbit hole learning about the history of beauty marks because i was like oh yeah yeah her beauty mark wait a second when did that become a thing why is yeah. that a thing for people to do like fake moles and stuff like that on their skin
0: that's such a good point please enlighten me well
1: let me tell you Jess, cuz i uh, i probably spent more time researching this than actually Marilyn Monroe
0: <laughs> i don't blame you though that's so weird i never thought about it that way
1: well to kick it off there's a great article from on rack.com that has this quote saying, it involves gruesome death, witch trials, definitely some puritanical political philosophies, divine prophecy, public humiliation, and arbitrary opinions dressed up as scientific fact used as the basis to defend torture. For a beauty mark? Beauty marks! Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so that's just setting the stage, but it really dates back to like ancient history because the Greeks and Romans had a theory that the gods would send down dark spots from Olympus to spoil perfect faces because they were jealous of humans who had blemish-free faces. So they would like send down moles on people. It was from the gods. (laughs) And then (laughs) later on, it kind of developed more to like astrology where scribes including hippocrates who documented this as well they had mapped out facial markings to kind of like show a future or personalities and stuff like that so for example like if you had a mole close to your mouth it would mean that you're gluttonous so mapping out facial markings in that way And that continued into, uh, like, ancient China, where they would even use facial and mole mapping to predict military maneuvers. (laughs) Yeah. It's gonna get weirder. Okay, so...
0: (laughs) This is my favorite sidebar I've ever
1: done. So then in the Middle Ages, any kind of body uh abnormality so like pimples or birthmarks it was a sign of witchcraft (laughs) of
0: course it was
1: (laughs) and uh everything's just witchcraft (laughs) have you ever heard of the phrase witch's teeth no no oh god i thought for sure you would know that (laughs) well that's what uh, witch's teeth like a boob that's what they would call it in the medieval times is like if you had a pimple or a mole or something they would call it a witch's teat <laughs> and people with witch's teats would be condemned i i thought that was like a normal thing because my dad used to always say it's like it's cold as a witch's teat and i don't know why or where that came from but apparently it came from medieval times
0: oh my god uh-huh
1: so then as we move so it's now it's tied to like witches and witchcraft and dark stuff and whatnot but then in the 17th and 18th centuries well this is the time when like the smallpox outbreak came out and also a lot Enjoy. of people had syphilis so they would start applying fake beauty marks to camouflage their smallpox scars or their syphilis stores oh my god <laughs> um, so they started like <laughs> using different materials they would create like stickers or fake moles to put over their spots and sores and stuff like that and it really kind of equated to wealth at that point like you if you were wealthy enough to have these fake spots then you had money but all the wealthy people at this time could have fake moles made out of like silk taffeta even velvet (laughs) and they even had special shapes so they'd have like a moon a diamond whatever yeah
0: oh my god <laughs> is
1: your mind just totally blown right now
0: i like i just don't have words <laughs> who would have thought mm-hmm. i just i've never really taken the time i guess because
1: you Me know in art yeah
0: as long as we've been alive it's just been kind of like all right you know if that's your thing go for it like it's no one's going to stop you
1: really cool to see how it's transformed because we went from the greek god sending them down to yeah that's my favorite narrative to be honest to witchcraft <laughs> to just covering up your gross syphilis and then <laughs> during the victorian era which is famous for being quite repressed beauty marks were tied to sinful women of course Actually. so if you had these beauty marks it just meant that you are a hussy or whatever they called them at the time Tisk tisk. Mm-hmm. so you might be thinking just how does this all tie back to marilyn monroe how did we get to this point where she's drawing it on So by the time Marilyn is kind of up and coming, this is during the golden age of Hollywood, where unlike any time before, women's faces are super huge on screen. People had not seen this before. They didn't have TVs or movies, especially movies where it's like massive and there's close ups and showing emotion of people's faces. So actresses really started to accentuate some of their best features and trying to achieve a more uh, unique look by applying fake beauty marks. And that's what Marilyn did. It really kind of started with Marilyn, which I had no idea that she was one who sort of kicked off this trend. There were obviously other actresses, especially during like uh, silent movie times and during the flapper era of the twenties that it kind of became a little bit more mainstream, but Marilyn was the one who made it huge at this time. And of course she had it by her mouth to accentuate her sex appeal. There has been a lot of debate of whether or not it was fake. People are saying, like, she always had it. She was just covering it up with makeup. But there's been photos showing that it, like, moved around her face. So it's pretty much uh, assumed that it it was a fake beauty mark.
0: Imagine one little tiny spot on your face causing so much speculation, different stories. Like, what?
1: Yeah. (laughs) One tiny, tiny little dot. The dot heard round the world. (laughs) And like you said at the top of the episode, Jess, her beauty mark inspired the Monroe piercing, which is a little stud on the upper left side of a lip. It became really popular in the kind of like 2000s, I guess, especially after Amy Winehouse had it. Uh, So yeah, that's the history of the beauty marks and the Monroe piercing. I
0: feel like I just listened to a TED Talk within our podcast. (laughs) I'm
1: here for it. (laughs) Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Goodbye. And with that, let's take a quick break. Hey, Jess, what do you call a pickle sale?
0: I don't know. What do you?
1: A sweet dill.
0: (laughs) I see what you did there.
1: Yeah, that joke might be the worst, but you know what's not the worst? Design pickle.
0: That's right. Design Pickle is the world's leading flat rate creative services platform, offering so many features. I could go on and on, but some of my favorites are unlimited requests, unlimited revisions, Adobe source files, brand profiles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. And on top of all those great features, there's also a 30 day satisfaction guarantee. So all new users can sign up, try it for a month and see if it's a good fit for you or your business.
0: And extra bonus, if you're a listener of this podcast, sign up using the code WORST and get $100 off your first month of any of our plans.
1: That's right. That's code WORST, W-O-R-S-T, all caps, and get $100 off any plan for your first month. That's a pretty sweet deal indeed. So after appearing in Niagara, America was pretty torn about Marilyn, because half the country was in love with her, and half of them saw her as just an overly sexualized harlot.
0: Harlot. That word cracks me up. Uh,
1: that's a great word. So in 1953, she stars as Lorelai Lee in the musical comedy Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. You might be familiar with the song from this movie, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, that's where that lovely song comes from. Back in my very limited dance days, we did a tap
0: dance to that of song.
1: Of course you did. <laughs> going to have to see that. Do you still have tap shows?
0: Yeah. I think I stopped dance when I was like nine because I told my parents that I was more comfortable rolling around in dirt on the softball field.
1: Mm, sounds about right. Yep. So on the surface, this film is really kind of seems like a misogynistic punchline about Gold diggers and gold digging women in general. But I read this article from AV Club that has a different view of it that I really appreciated because I think this is probably or maybe what Marilyn viewed it as but they said that gentlemen prefer blondes combines the glitteringly feminine feminism of legally blonde with comedic pleasures of watching schemers cheat the system by cheating the rich and dirty rotten scoundrels so it's kind of what? like
0: dirty <laughs> rotten scoundrels
1: <laughs> which i kind of love because i think about legally blonde and uh, what a great film you know but it's not so much just making fun at blondes it's showing like they are multifaceted and aren't always stupid. They can do more. And Thank I you, love- Kate. You're welcome. You're not as dumb as everyone thinks you are, Jess. <laughs> I can read. I promise. there are two great quotes from this film that I just want to say. The first one is Marilyn saying, don't you know that a rich man is like a pretty girl? You don't marry her just because she's pretty. But my goodness, doesn't it help?
0: (laughs) Doesn't it? Oh my god, I love that.
1: (laughs) And the second one, I think, just also ties into Marilyn's whole life is her saying, I can be smart when it's important, but most men don't like it. Snaps. Snaps. Snaps 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 all around. Now this film became one of the biggest box office successes of the year. And in the same year, she stars in the romantic comedy how to marry a millionaire and this had like basically the same formula it's about gold diggers finding rich husbands this was also another saying
0: she a (laughs) gold (laughs) digger right
1: exactly but yeah she was having like huge success at this point of her career and around this time uh well it's somewhat fairly common knowledge that marilyn monroe was featured on the cover and centerfold of the first issue of playboy But, Jess, Mm. in reality, Hugh Hefner just used older photos of her to launch his new magazine. She had not consented to it, and she didn't get paid a dime from Hugh Hefner. Of course not. Yeah, so this is what I said earlier, that she had posed nude for the calendar. This is where he pulled the photos from. So these were photos that were taken long, long time ago before she was this big Hollywood star. He used them because he was launching this Magazine and wanted to make it super popular, so he buys them from the photographer. Off you! <laughs> Just,
0: I have zero tolerance for that whole thing. Yeah. We can talk about that in a separate episode, but no. Yeah, the,
1: these were those photos were taken in like 1949. She was strapped for cash and she posed with a pinup photographer really to make a car payment and the photographer told her oh don't worry we're gonna make you look unrecognizable in these photos and she had used the name Mona Monroe when she uh, posed for these but like I said Hugh Hefner bought the photos and when he put them on the cover it was splashed with the famous Marilyn Monroe nude so obviously like sparking eye oh, oh my gosh we have to see this she has been stated as saying, I never even received a thank you from all of those who made millions off a nude Marilyn photograph. The I
0: hate this. I hate uh, it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it's, it's part of history. It's part of the story. And I had heard that she was on the first cover, and that was like such an important part of Playboy. I don't know why I know that. But
0: I uh, <laughs> had no, no idea kid. that she never
1: <laughs> consented to it. And... Because of all of this, Fox Studio urged her to deny it, say it wasn't her. But Marilyn decided to just be honest and come out and say, oh, it was me. A uh, great move by her because her fans cheered her on. They supported her with that, and it ultimately helped her career. So go, Marilyn.
0: I just have to say, from a PR perspective, like if you want another tip from this show, it's always better to be honest. Just yes. be honest. Own people it. respect that so much more than if you try to say, I didn't know, and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Like, just say, this is the deal. It is what it is. Let's all move on. And people are like, okay. Yeah. And then the next the next news cycle hits, and you're good.
1: Yep. So true. Hashtag tips. Great tips from Jessica V. So – Of course, we're in the mid-50s, and Marilyn Monroe is one of Hollywood's biggest stars. However, her contract had not changed, meaning that she was being paid far less than her co-stars, despite being huge in the Hollywood scene. So Mm. in the film *Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, she was paid her usual contract salary of $500 a week, but her co-star, who was actually another female, but she just had a better contract, she earned over $200,000. So little uh, off kilter there. No, thank you. No, thank you. But she was still actively trying to seek roles that wouldn't just focus on her sexuality and but the studio head exec allegedly did not like her and prevented it just to maximize profits because sex sells and she is the epitome of sex. So no, you can't do serious roles like you're making us money. So they tried to get her to star in another musical comedy called The Girl in the Pink Tights, but she just flat out refused. and was like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. OK, going back to talking about the media treating people unfairly. This became front page news and people were just like, it was such negative publicity against her because she was trying to become a serious actress and didn't want to do another dumb blonde movie. And they just went after her for it.
0: God forbid she makes her own path and makes a choice and decision that benefits her in the long run. Mm -hmm. God forbid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the way, side note, I just looked up what $500 was in 1955. And in today's money, it would be $4,800. A month. Well, you said, "A week, right? She was oh, making yeah, five hundred dollars a week. A week. Okay. So five hundred, so like twenty grand a month.
1: She's not doing bad, but certainly not enough compared to like what her co-stars are making.
0: Hundred percent.
1: So this was actually when she married Joe DiMaggio. They they weren't married before, and this is when she performed in Korea at the USO show, which I think we've seen a lot of famous footage from that. But that was really trying to her to uh, counter the negative publicity with all of this." And she eventually settles with a new contract with Fox, and this also secured her in the starring role in the film adaptation of the Broadway hit, The Seven Year Itch. And this film is where Marilyn dons the iconic white dress and stands over the street while a subway train passes below, and she steps over the grate, and her dress flies up. You may have seen that photo before, Jess. Jess
0: course yeah i feel like even when you're little you see that photo randomly and i don't know where like i can't think of where you see it but it's just it's always been part of our lives, I feel. I don't know why like this she's just, just popped
1: into my head. I was thinking about like Spencer's Gifts. Do you know? Is that place still <laughs> <Yes>. around?
0: <laughs> Who knows? I hope it is. I hope they're like an e commerce site now. <laughs> Let's see.
1: They'd have like that big poster section where you go through all the posters, and there was always a Marilyn Monroe yes. with uh, the white dress and it flowing up. I love this. They g-
0: do have an online store now. Uh-huh. It's called Spencer's Online.
1: <laughs> Gonna go buy some naughty stuff from them after this oh uh, well while she was filming that i guess in the, i i haven't seen this actual scene from the film but uh, apparently she steps over the grate and says "Ooh, do you feel the breeze from the subway <laughs> and the wind blows Whoa. up and exposes her legs and that's uh again one of just the most iconic photos of all time and it became like a huge publicity stunt i mean before the film even came out they had Photos plastered everywhere of her in the dress with her skirt flying up. And this photo infuriated Joe DiMaggio. I said before he was very jealous of her bombshell status and and it's been alleged that he was physically abusive. I don't want to get too much into that because I, I don't I couldn't find any concrete evidence, but this really sealed the deal for it because he was just so uh, uh he hated it. He was so mad that this photo was circulating and that she was becoming an icon for her sexuality. so I just
0: don't understand because he has her like he's married to her. Why are you so mad about it? What's going on?
1: I wish I had an answer to that question, but <sighs>
0: That's another episode. I get it. I'll talk to my
1: therapist about that. (laughs) But yeah, so they, they divorce after just nine months of marriage. Sad, sad, sad. Following the success of Seven Year Itch and her divorce, she heads to New York City, baby. And I had no idea about this, but in 1955, she founded her own company with Milton Green called Marilyn Monroe Productions.
0: How very ahead of her time.
1: I know. I was like, what? It made me think of uh, Phil Spector in the last uh, episode that I covered, where he created his own like Phil Studios and stuff like that. I was like, well, that makes sense. But Marilyn Monroe in the 50s? Whoa. You go, girl. Love
0: it. You love to see it.
1: Mm hmm. This of course began a legal battle between her and Fox Studios, and once again the press just went in on her, was ridiculing her and doing constant parodies of her as this like dumb blonde idiot, just trying to use her sexuality to be famous. Just gross. Dude, she's trying to create her own production company because she's smart and bright and talented and she just gets demonized for it. Of course. God forbid
0: she tries to do something on her own. Yeah.
1: God forbid. But nevertheless. She persisted and continued to work on her craft. She was taking more method acting classes and also started to undergo psychoanalysis because her acting coach at the time believed that an actor must really confront their emotional trauma in order to use that in performances. So she went in deep into psychoanalysis and uncovering a lot of stuff from her childhood, wow. which probably was not good for her psyche at the time. Like she was already pretty uh, fragile. And uncovering a lot of that and going into it deeply was seemed to be somewhat unhealthy. Or I don't know,
0: like that it could be good, but we also have talked about it. I mean, I just think that mental health in general was so different back then that like even if therapists had really good intentions, they might not have been going about it in the
1: healthiest way. And the whole um. reasoning behind her doing it wasn't to get healthier, it was just to Use that trauma in her performances, which yeah, that seems a little backwards. Yeah, around this time is when she meets playwright and husband number three, Arthur Miller. <laughs> uh, I I just want to also point out right here, she also dated Marlon Brando right before this, and I just want to say that because, like Cary Grant, I was in love with Marlon Brando after watching a streetcar named Desire. Stella, oh, I just thought he was just so beautiful dreamy yeah and marlon brando said that she was a sensitive misunderstood person who is much more perceptive than she was generally assumed and i love that i think that's so true after doing a bunch of research on her is she was very misunderstood and very perceptive because people just thought she's the dumb blonde that was the persona that she put on but uh there's a lot more going on under the hood than people would expect
0: Which, in a way, I admire. I admire that she could kind of con people into, you know, even if it didn't work out in her favor and she had to play this dumb blonde type, like, she tried her best to use it to her advantage, which Mm -hmm. is admirable.
1: Yeah. Okay, so Arthur Miller. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but just uh, as an English major, I have read a lot of uh, Arthur Miller plays, but you might might be familiar with some of these. So uh, Death of a Salesman. Does that ring a bell? It does. It does. The Crucible?
0: Huh? Uh, uh, Yeah, yeah. we all had to read The Crucible at some
1: point. Yep. (laughs) One of my favorite, (laughs) this isn't in my notes, but I just want (laughs) to share. There's a character in The Crucible that's, uh, well, they're talking about Pontius Pilate from the Bible, but we had to read it aloud in high school. This one guy kept calling it Pontius Pilate, and I just could never (laughs) get over that. Like is he doing Pilates? <laughs> Some people
0: also say Pontius. Like oh, that's so I, it.
1: I'm saying it wrong. So
0: it's no. Like I think it's one of those words that Pontius. you just say Pontius Pilate or Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate. Teach us something, listeners. If you know, <laughs> let us know.
1: <laughs> I like how I'm making fun of someone for saying it wrong, but I also <laughs> said it wrong. Well, not
0: confirmed though. I don't know.
1: Like it. <laughs> I think it's one of those words that you can just
0: ground with. Yeah.
1: So when they first met, Arthur left his first wife to get married to Marilyn. And at the time, she was reconsidering her whole career. After just being raked through the, you know, the polls with the media and stuff like that, she's like, I'm over Hollywood. She said, I hate Hollywood. I don't want it anymore. I just want to live quietly in the country and just, you know, do my thing.
0: Again... Not a new theme for us on this show.
1: She actually converted to Judaism, too, because of Arthur Miller. And it turns out because of her conversion to Judaism, all of her films were banned in Egypt. Oddly enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Egypt.
1: (laughs) Yep. And the public saw them as a huge mismatch because, you know, she's this sex symbol and he's an intellectual. There was a headline in the newspapers that said, (laughs) Egghead weds hourglass and stuff like that. Like, it was a big deal. People were like, oh, he's so smart and she's ditzy and blonde, so how could it work? But it was a good life for her at first. I mean, they lived a normal life for two years. She was able to kind of become that housewife that she always Or she originally, not that she always wanted to become, but that she originally intended to become. But in 1956, Arthur Miller was called before the House of Un-American Activities Committee. And he was...
0: (laughs) I feel like we've mentioned that committee before, maybe in the Disney episode.
1: Oh, maybe. It sounds yes, familiar. It, it totally is the Disney episode because it's the same thing. It's So the play, The Crucible, is a story about the Salem witch trials, of course, but it's an allegory about McCarthyism, which is the United States uh, accusing people of being communists. And that's what happened to Disney, too, right?
0: Yeah, he accused the illustrators of being all communists yeah. when they left the studio. Yep.
1: So he was called to trial for that, but he like refused to speak, he wouldn't talk about it. And so there was like all this drama following that, and it obviously affected their marriage. They ha- also had a couple of miscarriages, and all of this just started really fueling her drug and alcohol abuse. So in 1959, she stars in the film Some Like It Hot. I have seen this ages ago, but at this point her marriage was already crumbling and her mental state was just really deteriorating. Yeah. While filming, the tension on set was super unbearable. They'd have to do just endless retakes. She couldn't remember her lines. And when later asked her co-star, Tony Curtis, uh, was asked how he enjoyed the love scenes with the world's top sex symbol, he bluntly replied that it was like kissing Hitler. Ooh! Yikes! That's, uh, That's a little aggressive. I know. She was not in a good spot, but regardless the final film was magical it received six Oscar nods it earned her a golden globe for best actress and has been voted as one of the best films ever made so we also will see this kind of later on but like she has a really rough time filming the rest of the crew gets frustrated with her but the end result is magical like it just works and people are enamored by her and her talent shines through somehow it's crazy So the last film that Marilyn completed was John Huston's The Misfits, and this was actually written by her husband, Arthur, just to get her in a dramatic role, the dramatic role that she always wanted. Unfortunately, though, this is when the marriage really fell apart. She was relying heavily on prescription drugs and, again, could barely remember her lines. They ended up divorcing just before the film's premiere, sadly. And her drug addiction was so bad at this point. I mean, she was on like barbiturates and everything. Uh, at one point, while they were getting ready for making the movie, they would just do her makeup while she's passed out because they're like, uh, we can't wake her up. We gotta, we gotta keep going. It's a terrible yeah, terrible visual. That is so sad. I know it is really awful. And while filming her next project, something's got to give. Her just chronic lateness and addiction eventually got her fired. And once again, Jess, I cannot believe we're coming another person who was committed to a mental hospital. But at this point, she was committed.
0: I did not know that about her. Me
1: neither. I had no idea. And this was later in her life at the end of her career. Spoiler alert. Yeah, she was admitted briefly to a mental hospital. And she was helped by her ex-husband, Joe DiMaggio. They remained friends after everything, which is kind of nice to think about at least he really wanted to help her out and get her healthy again she eventually was released and approved to return the film but she didn't go back to work not to like totally change gears here but one thing i haven't really talked a lot about is her other highly publicized love affairs so yeah i'm gonna talk about this now because this is around the time that she was reported to have a relationship with frank sinatra people. It, but he was Joe DiMaggio's friend. So it made things a little awkward. And they yeah, tried to keep it very hush hush. They tried to keep it a secret. But I thought it was interesting in reading about this because it's been said that they bonded over their own personal struggles and their depression, insomnia and whatnot. Mm. They were able to bond through their pain But eventually, Frank Sinatra broke away from her because of her destructive behavior. It was too much for even Frank Sinatra to deal with. So he ran off and got engaged to someone else. But it was like, why? You were just with Marilyn. And they think it was just to really separate himself from her. But he really, really cared about her a lot and was sad for her. And along with that, so her relationship with Frank Sinatra indirectly sparked a, a sort of infamous love affair between her and john f kennedy
0: i was waiting
1: yeah and you know what's funny not funny but i feel like in at least five of our previous episodes we've mentioned jfk even if it's just in passing yeah
0: <laughs> isn't that he weird has, he's had like little easter egg appearances yeah throughout. connect the jfk dots
1: yeah yeah Uh, Yeah, John F. Kennedy and Frank Sinatra were friends. But also, I can't remember if it's, uh, yeah, I think it's JFK's sister, Pat, was married to Peter Lawford, who was another member of the Rat Pack. So they all had like kind of been around the same circles for a while. Frank Sinatra introduced JFK to Marilyn. And I will just say that it's never actually been super confirmed that they had a relationship. There's no concrete proof, just a lot of speculation and reports from various eyewitnesses who have seen them together in cars, at hotels, and stuff like that. But there is that one famous instance on Kennedy's birthday in 1962 where Marilyn Monroe gives her sultry rendition of Happy Birthday. She's singing, Happy Birthday, Mr. President. I was
0: waiting for the imitation. I'm so glad you went through with it.
1: I regret that immediately.
0: (laughs) I think your imitations are becoming part of the show, Kate. Like, people expect it now, so you can't deprive the people of what they want.
1: We're going to lose listeners then. (laughs) This whole uh, scene just makes me think of Breaking Bad, though. Please tell me you've seen Breaking Bad.
0: Jessica! It's so heavy, Kate. Like, I can't...
1: I you know me. I'm actually like, really upset with you right now that you have I not know, seen Breaking Bad. I know. It's been on my list forever. And I, like, out the of candy all hit, the things. And I
0: just, like, I just watch Arrested Development and Parks and Rec all oh over again. Like, I, just,
1: I need happy. So I'm sorry. I don't think we can hang out until you watch Breaking Bad. But I'm sorry. any Breaking Bad fans out there will know what scene I'm talking about where i usually have to just fast forward through it because it's really awkward but basically his wife is singing that song to her boss and it's really weird and gross and uncomfortable nope pass. Yep. yep yep but okay so when this happened in 1962 and marilyn walks out in this it's jfk's birthday it's this whole ordeal and she walks out in this gold sequin gown and the audience literally gasps because she's just like so strikingly beautiful that dress that she wore ended up getting sold at an auction in 2016 for more than five million dollars. Holy, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, uh, yeah. And obviously, this performance propelled all the rumors about their affair because it was very seductive. And this is one of the few times that they were actually seen photographed together. I love this quote. One of the assistants, the president recalls that night as he first met Marilyn, as well as Bobby Kennedy, and he said, I do not think I have seen anyone so beautiful, but one felt a terrible unreality about her, as if talking to someone underwater. Bobby and I engaged in mock competition for her. She was most agreeable to him and pleasant to me, but then she receded into her own glittering mist.
0: Oh, wow.
1: do 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 do
0: that's that's powerful right there
1: yeah talking to someone underwater that is powerful and I mm-hmm. can't even explain what that means but you feel it yeah you know
0: you like it's hard to articulate but I totally understand what he was saying
1: she has a qua, but there's a sadness behind it which yeah. a lot of people notice and saw
0: part of me wonders if they're fair this is just armchair psychology per the usual, but maybe they were both sad and, like, he was known to have a condition that he was doing meth and, like, didn't know he was doing meth. That's a whole other story. I didn't know um, that. <laughs> I learned about that on Drug History, actually.
1: Oh, great <laughs> But, show.
0: like, he was kind of... Not great, not doing great. He had a lot of family pressure. So part of me wonders if, like, they just feel the rumors because they could. And maybe they really were just friends and, like, hmm. kind of consoled each other on the issues. But also maybe it was as scandalous as it oh. seemed. Who knows?
1: We may never know. But shortly after this very iconic moment, Marilyn was living virtually as a recluse in her Brentwood home again we see another creative living alone as a recluse and sadly on august 5th 1962 her maid noticed that her light was on but the door was locked she called marilyn's psychiatrist who came to break into the room where they found marilyn dead and the phone receiver was in her hand she was lying down she was nude and there were empty pill bottles around her so it was ruled a suicide. In the report, it said that there were a fatal amount of sedatives in her system. But as you may have heard, there are plenty of conspiracy theories about her death.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Most of which state that somehow John and or Robert Kennedy were involved, basically because they were fearful that their love affairs would go public. I didn't mention before, but yeah, there were also rumors that she had a relationship with Bobby Kennedy as well. So that's where a lot of the conspiracies come from. There were also conspiracy theories that the mob was behind it. She was tied to the mob. I even saw a ludicrous one that it was about aliens and she had information about oh, aliens. Oh, God. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm not going to get into all of that. We, You can think what you want. Um, one thing that frustrated me, not frustrated me, but it was like I saw a bunch of quotes from her friends and people who were trying to say like she would never – kill herself this has to be she was murdered but saying like would someone that beautiful commit suicide would she was such a star and i know some people use that yeah it's like any uh, there's depression is affects a lot of people and she had been through a lot so it doesn't matter what they look like or how their career is it's you just never know so Regardless, I mean, Marilyn Monroe just remains a cultural icon, and I think some of the unknown details about her death maybe add to some of her mystique. Totally. But when she, w- she was buried in, uh, I believe it was in Los Angeles, Lee Strasberg delivered the eulogy, and I just want to read it out loud because I think it's really beautiful. So he said, I have no words to describe the myth and the legend. I did not know this Marilyn Monroe. We gathered here today, knew only Marilyn a warm human being, impulsive and shy, sensitive and in fear of rejection, yet ever avid for life and reaching up for fulfillment. In our memories of her, she remains alive, not only a shadow on the screen or a glamorous personality. So, uh, yeah. And just also sad. So, in talking about Marilyn Monroe's obvious, clear legacy, according to the guide, to United States popular culture. She's been stated as an icon of American pop culture. Few rivals in popularity include Elvis Presley and Mickey Mouse. No other star has ever inspired such a wide range of emotions, wow. from lust to pity and envy to remorse. Art historians said that she's the most photographed person of the 20th century, and the American Film Institute has named her the sixth greatest female legend in American film history. Wow. Like I said before, there have been hundreds of books that have been written about her. She's been the subject of just countless films, plays, songs, even operas. So on one hand, she's just this quintessential sex symbol and beauty icon of classic Hollywood, the golden years of Hollywood. But she's also remembered for her troubled life and love affairs. And what I found most interesting, Jess, is just she's always kind of been the subject of many even recent gender studies and feminism studies really opening up that larger conversation about mass media, fame, and culture. But she's one person. She was Norma Jean, you know? She wanted to be revered for her acting. She was kind of pigeonholed into this one role. Yep. So with that being said, is Marilyn Monroe the worst?
0: No. (laughs) Okay. I could never say she's the worst. I think it's pretty clear that Her childhood really messed her up in a lot of ways, and I think she tried to overcome it, but I think at the end of the day, like we see with a lot of people, she skyrocketed to fame, and it wasn't necessarily the type of fame that she was looking for, but she felt compelled to play into it, which wears on you if you're trying to be someone that you're not or pretending to be this persona that you're not and that difference between being shy and then having to turn it on for the camera like that wears on people that are a little bit fragile and then you add everything on top of that and i just i don't know there's no way she's the worst she's definitely an icon if people i wonder if like gen z knows about her
1: <laughs> i'm sure they have their their uh, posters of her on their wall I'm sure. No. From Spencer. Spencer's. They're like, shut Spencer's up, old ladies. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, think it's I, I don't think so. Sign of the times. And like we said at the top of the episode, this is not intentional. We're not trying to find these fragile female figures in history. But I think it's really interesting to think about how history is written and how stuff is portrayed. Yes. Because Agreed. there probably are a lot of female creatives from back in the day who may or may not be the worst. We just don't know about uh, just because they weren't written about. And so yeah. especially a lot of the, yeah, the historical folks that we cover tend to be <laughs> male focused. And I went into this with a very open mind thinking, you know what? She might be the worst. I don't really know. Totally. And it turned out that she was beyond that. She knew what she was seen as. She wanted more than that, but really struggled to get out of that hole. And even when she actively did so, I was kind of demonized for it. But my gosh, what an icon. The imagery of her, it's more than just a poster on the wall. I think it it represents a lot more. So that's Marilyn Monroe for you. And the biggest
0: takeaway is the production company. I mean, people didn't write about that and even said people got pissed at her for trying to do that. And I think that plays into the way that we cover a lot of females because A lot of them, unfortunately, just because of how history is, had to scratch and claw. And nowadays, we can take a step back and say they weren't the worst because they were just trying to get their seat at the table. Mm -hmm. But at the time, like if we were having this conversation even 10 years ago, maybe we would have different takes. Who knows? Mm -hmm.
1: And think about all of the huge uh, pop stars and icons of today and even just like in general social media the stuff that Marilyn Monroe was demonized for is so tame oh, yeah. compared to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people have this negative connotation of her because that's what was in the media at the time. It's just, oh, this harlot, she's just a man-eater, totally. blah, blah, blah. She wanted a lot more. She wanted a happy life. I think her marriage to Arthur Miller says a lot, too, because that was a great marriage for her. She was happy to be with someone who is intellectual and kind of away from Hollywood. yeah. I'm determined to find a female creative who is the worst though. I'm on a mission. Don't worry about it. Yeah, if
0: you have any ideas <laughs> for us, let us know at podcasts at designpickle.com or send us a little DM on Instagram at creatives are the worst. We'd love to uncover this person.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And goes without saying with this episode and all other episodes we record, these are just our personal opinions based off our research. But like just said, if you have any other facts or thoughts about it, just let us know and i hope everyone has a lovely week cheers cheers goodbye. goodbye
0: thanks for listening to creatives are the worst
1: if you like what you're hearing or if you think that we're the worst please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice we'd love to hear from you
0: you can also contact us directly at podcasts at dot and a big thanks to design pickle for sponsoring the show
1: Join us next week as we once again try to answer the question, are creatives the worst?